podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the bluest room in town. Yeah, they're actually funny and the guests are sound. Through the ups and the downs. Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round. Find out what it means. Everton will break your heart, but they're still your team. It's far from doom and gloom. So tune in now and get involved. Yes, with it is the blue room. It is your weekly show. Unfortunately, we're not here in particularly happy circumstances. Everton lost the third game in succession last night, uh, but we are going to pick through it. And we are going to tell you why it's going to get all better again on Saturday (laughs) against Crystal Palace. Uh, Joining us for the second day running here on the Blue Room is Rob Vera, who just cannot get enough Everton misery. Um, Rob, I'm sure you're desperate to speak about that Aaron Dominic Carver-Lewin header again from last night, which was our only shot in the entire match. Yeah, and it wasn't on goal. So, uh, yeah, let's do a 20-minute analysis of that that off-target shot, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, and Adam Jones as well. Adam, have you got lots of things to say about that header? We'll we'll see, won't we? I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> expert to heading as I am myself as well. I've, I'm sure I'll have tons of analysis that I could provide. Are you are you good in the air? No, no. I was thinking you were going to say like you're at the Tim Cahill mold as someone who's not that tall, but no. springs and times the jumps very well. No, no, absolutely not. Ah, fair I enough. think I've scored a header once in my life on, on like six a side. Oh, there you go. Uh, well, Everton can't score them either, to be fair. Uh, so <laughs> very much in the same boat. But uh, yeah, we are going to look back at Newcastle. We will look ahead to, to Crystal Palace. Maybe do a few little reflections on the last time we played Crystal Palace as well and, and the madness of that and <laughs> and how we feel uh, all these months on. But we will start with, with last night. Adam, I'll, I'll come back to you first, mate. Yeah, just flat, wasn't it? Mm. Everton went behind after pretty close opening stages of the game, I think. And then from that point on, it never really felt like they were going to find a way back into the game. And it's becoming a, a bit of a trend now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was a close opening to the game, but I went out and watched it with my dad, funnily enough, and he was saying throughout the first 20 minutes that he just felt like as soon as Newcastle found that extra little gear, then that would be then that'd be it. Because, you know, it was, it was quite clear in those opening minutes that Newcastle were off their game a little bit. And I think Everton did well to maybe knock them off their stride a little bit in those opening 15, 20 minutes or so. But after that, you know, referee like the the crowd started getting on the referees back, and I think that's really started to to change the tide of the game. And it was just it was just frustrating. I think I tweeted last night that the problem that I see is that it's not just that Everton don't have somebody at the top end of the pitch who's going to put the ball in the back of the net right now. They haven't really got a constant supply to get the ball up to the top end of the pitch either. Like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what our attacking plan is for a lot of for a lot of the time that we're playing, and I think that's maybe the more concerning thing because I actually think the mid, the midfield is probably the best that we're going to see. Maybe in a few weeks we'll see James Garner thrown in there a little bit more often. I'd maybe like to see that a bit more, but realistically, he's not going to be you know providing tons and tons of attacking threat, is he necessarily? So yeah, it it was it was just a, it was a frustrating night, wasn't it? And uh, I think. I think you're quite right. Once Newcastle took the lead, it didn't really look like 
Everton were going to get back into it. There was that a little bit of a spell at the start of the second half, but I think as soon as as soon as the substitutions were made, Everton didn't really didn't really offer anything else throughout throughout the rest of the match. And I suppose that's the that's the disappointing thing, really, isn't it? You know, three three defeats on the spin. I'm not sure the the performances necessarily warranted three defeats on the spin, but if you're going to make mistakes in the in the manner that Everton did, then you're going to get beat in the Premier League, especially against you know, a side with such confidence that Newcastle have got at the minute. So frustrating, certainly, but I don't think it's it's completely demoralising in any sort of way. I do I do see that there are there are signs of progression still. Yeah, I think that that's fair enough. And Rob Adam said something there, which I think I. I was thinking watching that match last night and there were two moments in the game which summed it up perfectly for me and in each half there was one in the first half where Damari Gray goes past Kieran Trippier and another Newcastle player. He's got three Everton shirts to look up to in, in the middle and he plays a pass between all of them straight to a Newcastle defender. Yeah. And then Vitaly Mikolenko does exactly the same thing on the counter-attack in, in the second half. And mm. no, it's, it's almost like that's, that's the plan at the moment, isn't it? It's like, right, get the ball. Everybody leg it forward, and then one of our players hasn't quite got the incision or the decision making to find the right pass. And you know, again, to go back to something like Adam said, there, it's not that Everton aren't creating chances. It's not. It's not the give, they're not giving themselves chances to create chances. If you if you get what I mean, we're not yeah. even into we're not even getting into position to cross the ball from dangerous areas with our wingers. We're not really getting into position where we can get our most creative midfielder in Alex Iwobi running at an opposition back four and being able to play passes in behind to your wide players or in behind to your forwards. There's, defensively, it seems to be a, a bit more structure and a bit more cohesion there, but attacking-wise, it just all feels a little bit thrown at the wall, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, there are layers upon layers to this thing, um, which is true of the sport in general, I suppose. Uh, I think you, you framed it really well. Like you, you have to give yourself a chance to, you have to give yourself chances to create chances. And then um, on top of those chances, then you have to take advantage of the chances to actually create shots. And uh, you can't create goals without shots. And when you have no, no uh, shots on target throughout an entire game for two games running and, and very little overall in the last three, I mean, you're, I think we we've talked a lot about um, fine margins. Um, I feel like that's for me at least is becoming sort of the the theme of this season, and inherent within that concept, when you say fine margins, I think it it really is indicative of a side for whom everything has to go almost perfectly for them to even eke out a result. Um, and, and we saw that even in the seven game, uh, the seven game unbeaten run. Um, I mean, a, a stiff wind blew in any of those games. Uh, and we would have, we would have looked at that, that run very differently. We would have, um, you know, we, we, um, I, I I've said pretty consistently. And again, I, I don't, uh, throw this at the feet of of any player or even a couple of players I think collectively we have not been as good defensively as the results would indicate I think that we have been very fortunate uh, just like we were last night to only lose one nil um, but uh, that you know pick your pick your choose your lane pick your pick your poison here um, any any concern I have about the about 
how the defense, uh, how, how our overall defense looks, especially in transition, uh, is is almost is almost mooted by the fact that we're creating absolutely nothing attacking wise. So you don't really even give yourself a chance to eke out a one nil or, or or some kind of result if if you just can't even do basic things. Um, I, I agree with Matt that, um, and I mean, I saw it with my own eyes at Goodison. I mean, the mid, I do believe that, that the overall quality of the midfield is better, um, but that's primarily down to the fact that Alex Awobi has had to really carry this thing uh, for the, the better part of the beginning of the season. He's probably asking, okay, who else is going to help? Because I, I think that uh, Onana obviously is, is, a, is generally speaking part of the, the, the positive nature of, of the improvement in midfield. I think that that's not even a question. It's his quality is, is there, but he's still a, a very young player who is going to have his ups and downs. I think overall Adrissa Gay has been on balance, kind of disappointing when you take the sum total of, of, of his performances now for Everton, it's, it's not been great, but um to Adam's point, uh, you can put James Garner in. I, I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see maybe a shuffle in the midfield a little bit that includes him, but I don't know that that, that magically solves everything. I think that, and Matt, you made this point, I think on Twitter earlier today, um, which is probably why I lean towards having more sympathy for Frank Lampard. I, I do think that uh, he as the manager is responsible for everything tactically. He is responsible for uh, the emotional, uh, you know, kind of carrying some of the, uh, you know, the emotional direction of this, this side in terms of motivating them to, to play a certain way uh, to get effort and so on and so forth. But um, all of that being said, what would you have him do from an attacking standpoint? It just feels, and I said this on post-match last night, that there are, he is being asked a lot of tough questions for whom his available answers uh, are pretty weak. Um, you know, I, I, I want to, you bring Anthony Gordon back in straight away after the suspension. Great. Anthony Gordon, uh, has not been the same player fair, you know, fairly or not has not been the same player since the window closed. Um, Dwight McNeil. Um, I, you know, I am still kind of trying. I, I, I think a lot of people are, are saying, well, he's still young and he's still, there's still some upside there and there may very well be, but he does seem a bit of a limited player. Damari gray, who the manager persists with probably just from the standpoint that, based on his pace and the fact that he can uh, pull a magical goal out of, out of his, uh, you know, out of his pocket every once in a while, you, he almost feels like he has to play, but in an ideal world, guys like Damari Gray, guys like Dwight McNeil, um, you know, on a good challenging side, those guys are bench players. And, and frankly, I'm not sure that Anthony Gordon isn't falling into that category himself, uh, you know, here pretty soon, but the, the bottom line is that there is no help coming before January. So the question becomes, what do you do with this group now? And, and even in January, I, I already fear that we're going to hear the, well, the prices are too high. We probably can't do anything, blah, 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 blah. And then the question becomes uh, is if this is what we have at our disposal, um, then we have to find improvement from within. And 
I'm, uh, you know, I, I want to be patient with Calvert-Lewin because I've said that, that our fortunes really depend on him. And I just haven't seen, it's probably just because of how much time has passed, but I haven't seen Calvert-Lewin being Calvert-Lewin for a year and a half now. And so it's kind of scary to me. Right. So, so all of those things have created sort of a perfect storm um, from an attacking standpoint, there aren't easy answers, but ultimately uh, that isn't really uh, uh, our problem. That's, that's the manager's problem. He's got to find solutions and he's got to think creatively and he's got to find ways to get some of these players playing better. And and I think it probably starts with some sort of reshuffle uh, on Saturday against palace, uh, at least in some way Um, I would think the midfield, because I don't know that you can do a lot of reshuffling from an attacking standpoint. Yeah. I mean, the Calvert-Lewin thing is interesting, Adam, because I think a lot of, you know, Benitez did this, didn't he? And I think we as fans go into that mindset on the Benitez as well, that when Dom comes back, everything's sort of just going to be okay. And I think maybe the, the Dominic Carvalhoen that we had under Marco Silva and, and that era where he'd run the channels and he'd, you know, pin defenders and do all that kind of stuff would make a difference now. I think the version we've got now, and for him to be the goal scorer that he's been in, in recent years, He's a player who very much relies on service, doesn't he? You know, you think about him under, you know, when he was at his absolute best in that that first full season under Ancelotti, when he had Rodriguez one side of him, Richarlison the other side of him. He had Luca Dean putting crosses in from the left. He had Gilfie Sigurdsson putting set pieces on his head. All those pieces have gone now. And it's sort of like, well, we've got this this player who is, has got a lot of attributes, but his main ones are being alive in the area, you know, this trademark goals almost been sliding into the back post, hasn't it? Or, you know, mm. getting headers. Where's the service going to come from for him? Where's that Where's that supply line that has made Dominic Carvalhoen the player he is now? Where's that going to come from from this current group of lads? Well, that's exactly it, isn't it? And I think last night, I think the performance was summed up by Dominic Carvalhoen going off the pitch. And then two minutes later, Anthony Gordon put in a cross, his only cross into the box in the game where I was thinking to myself, oh, well, you, you, you could, if you could have done that about five minutes earlier, Dominic Calvert-Lewin might have been there and might have been on the end of that. And I think, you know, it maybe plays into the fact that Alex Awobi is our most creative player right now. There's like there's no question about it. But in the position that Awobi's playing, then he doesn't he doesn't really get the opportunity to to create chances for Calvert-Lewin in that sense. Calvert-Lewin's not usually somebody, like, he's, he's a quick player, but he's not usually somebody who's going to be hanging off the shoulder of the defender and looking for those through balls in behind. That's what that's what Iwobi kind of excels at in that attacker midfield role. And I think probably that links up better with somebody like Neil Mope. And yeah, I think yeah, the West Ham that. goal. The West yeah, Ham exactly. Goal that, that, West, that West Ham yeah. goal was just, was the perfect... The the, perf- the the perfect example of that nice little interplay between the two of them, and you know it, it fits into it fits into what Mopay does really really well. I don't think the same could be said for Calvert Lewin. So like looking at last night's game for example, you know it might be simplistic, but I'm I'm not sure why Dwight McNeil didn't start. I think we we you know I, I think Rob's right in saying he's been a quite limited player so far in his time at Everton, but. I think his limitation is that he's got a deadly left foot and he can put a cross into the box. I'm not sure why you wouldn't play your winger who's the best at crossing when you've mm. got somebody like Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front who is is going to thrive on on heading the ball in those in those sorts of scenarios. You know, regardless of whether he's on form or whether he's fully fit or not, he's going to give 
those Newcastle centre backs a real a real go in terms of you know that aerial that aerial battle, and we just didn't give him a chance to do that apart from a corner, which you know I think he actually does well to get his head onto it, but you know he, he can't do much with the uh, with the finish. But that's the only even slight opening that we had throughout the game, so it it must be really frustrating for Calvert Lewin because from what I saw of him yesterday, he was getting himself about a bit. He was he was trying he was trying to force something out of, out of the game really but Everton would just not settle to to be supplying him the chances that he needs anymore and I think that's probably that's something that's really got to be addressed and you know going back to the winger situation I was I was speaking with a few family members last night and I think there's probably an argument right now that Andros Townsend is Everton's best winger and you know maybe maybe, maybe that's just like, even on one say, leg yeah. Yeah. well I mean <laughs> Maybe you're just saying that because, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. But, yeah. you know, he, he's got all the qualities that I think Everton actually need from their winger now. He's got consistent delivery, gives 100%. He's got a goal in him as well. It, And I think with Everton in that sort of scenario where, you know, we're, we're dying for Andros Townsend to come back, I think that kind of, that kind of does sum it up, doesn't it? So, you know, whether we get to January and whether we can, Bring in, you know, some some more exciting and talented wingers or not, you know, that's that's by the by. We've got we've just got to find a way from now until until then to be able to provide Calvert Lewin with some with some better chances, with some actual chances to uh, to score some goals, and that will probably revolve around getting these wingers playing, you know, getting them getting crosses into the box. You know, it sounds so simplistic, but yeah, you know, that's. That's the way the Calvert Lewin plays now. It is a very simple style of play, but it's effective. Where you know he's proven that it can be effective if you play to his if you play to his strength. So you know, fingers crossed, Lampard can can find a way to unlock that because I think Rob's right that you know Everton's fortunes do still have like weigh heavily on Dominic Calvert Lewin's form. It puts a lot of pressure on the defense as well, doesn't it, Rob? Because you know, like, mm. like we've all sort of said at the, the start of the game. You know, Adam's talking about what he's speaking about with, with his dad there in a sense that, you know, it feels on, on such a knife edge because you sort of know that if if the other team does up the tempo and does score a goal, then, you know, our, our way home in the game towards getting a point or maybe getting a, you know, a scabby 1-0 or something like that from a set piece is, is pretty much gone straight away. And it, it, the defence hasn't been perfect by any means, but it must be frustrating for them to to make gains and improve and, and to post relatively decent numbers in regards to goals conceded, and then mm. to produce absolutely nothing at the top end of the pitch, it's it's so much pressure. Again, it goes back to that idea that that we just have to be perfect when there's no margin of error there. Um, and, and and in fairness to the defense, you know, for for the things that I've said about how I think that our our results defensively uh, probably. Um, somewhat, uh, uh, you know, obscure the, some of the struggles I think we actually are, you know, have defensively at times, I wouldn't necessarily make any changes. Uh, I, I don't think I would. I mean, I think that um, the, having that group be consistent, I've, I've continued to say I am bullish on that group getting better and more solid the longer they play together. Now, part of the problem, and and we don't really talk, we haven't talked about this too much the last few weeks, but Nathan Patterson being missing, I think, uh, hurts uh, some things, especially, you know, in the wide area on the pitch. 
Um, you know, I think we're getting to that point where, and, and again, this is not really, uh, this is not, not a criticism of Seamus Coleman. Uh, it's just that we're now getting to that point where he's being a little overexposed, uh, you know, in terms of playing two, two matches in such quick succession. He's just not at that stage of his career where he needs to be doing that. And, and, uh, obviously the, the manager is, is constrained with the Patterson injury Holgate just coming back. I know Matt, you suggested, Hey, maybe he gets a little time at right back, uh, you know, if you need to, if you need to just kind of, uh, uh, kind of do, have some sort of, of difference fill in wise, but, but yeah, I, I think that, that, um, unlike, unlike almost any other sport, the symbiotic relationship between the different levels uh, of, of the, of a team, uh, are so exposed in this one. Uh, if, if the attack uh, is is really struggling to produce anything, that then puts pressure on the other areas, the midfield and especially the defense. Uh, and when you are constantly feeling like uh, any mistake is going to be punished, then 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 it just I think it begins to have that negative effect on on your overall play. Same thing defensively. When when we were you know last season when I thought we were definitely poorer defensively because of of all the injuries we're having to start Michael Keane and Mason Holgate in those positions and we're certainly better off with Cody and, and Tarkovsky um that put pressure uh to produce goals or to you know we have to we have to do these things and then that would uh, ultimately compromise the defense so all of those things are it, it's a hard balance to strike but I I do think that um and I said this last night um you know going back to kind of the bigger picture of this season I, I think what we we can accept is that after a season like last one, this is going to be a side that's probably very firmly uh, mid table. At least that's the expectation. What you don't want is to get pulled really into that mire. And luckily I, I say, luckily, I guess uh, there, there are several other clubs around us that are struggling uh, as well. And so I'm not really, and I look at the overall improvement of the quality of our midfield. I look at the effort uh, the consistency of selection being so much better. I, I still have a hard time believing right now that we're going to be in true relegation danger. Now, the only problem with that theory is that as much as we don't like what we're seeing right now, uh, we're one injury away at any level of that pitch from being in a really scary place. How would we feel right now if suddenly uh, a Wobi or Onana missed time? How would we feel suddenly if Neil Mope missed time or uh, there was an injury to Anthony Gordon? So the, the there, I, I think that there's probably going to have to be, depending on how things go over the next few weeks, and, and really this is an important stretch for Everton and for Frank Lampard in particular, uh, we've got to get some results uh, and stabilize some things because the urgency going into January and no one wants to spend in January, but there will become a quote needs must situation that will develop very fast uh, if we're not careful because of, of what we didn't do um, in the summer. But the last thing I'll say is to Adam's point, and this really speaks to your original question, I think about about the pressure that's put on the defense is that you you put pressure on the defense when you're not scoring. And you also, when you set up your, when you have a struggling side from an attacking standpoint who overly relies on one player's production so much, 
you almost have to configure the the parts around that player to help him succeed. So, you know, Awobi plays better with a Neil Mope type. Uh, but if you're going to rely on Calvert Lewin, then I think he Adam makes a great point. You, you've got to have guys who cross the ball who who are known for that. I think that's what Dwight McNeil offers. I, I don't I don't know, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like Anthony Gordon of last season crossed the ball more than what we see now. He seems more intent on proving that he can be this, quote, more complete player who can play at this higher level, who's going to, you know, cut inside and, 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 and stay on the ball more. But uh, those results have been very middling so far. And so I, I don't know what the solution is that I think if it was up to me, I would probably just because of the talent persist with Gordon, bring in McNeil and maybe gray is the one who needs to be coming off the bench for a little bit as someone who can provide pace and a spark off, off the bench for a bit. But, but clearly whatever this mix is, is not working and it needs a bit of a rethink and a reshuffle in order for us to start getting some results. Do you know what was telling them Rob, when you were going through the players that if they got injured, I think would be in big trouble. The only one that I really thought would, would hamper us loads is, is a Wobi. Like, I think if Anana came out, the, this is, he showed glimpses, but if, if you said you could replace Anana for Decore, I think that I'd be all right with that for, for the weekend. If someone says you can replace Anana for James Garner or Tom Davis, I think I'd, I'd be, be fine with okay. that. You That's know, Andy Gordon, if he was out of the team and McNeil played and um, Gray played out wide, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I don't think that would be a major blow for us. I think that's sort of where I've got to where it's like, well, if we're feeling like that, maybe it's time to freshen things up a little bit in regards to yeah. different players in there. And you know, I was speaking I, more to the issue of depth overall, yeah. just of how thin we are. But your, your point is well taken. Midfield is probably where we can most afford one of those injuries, except for Owobi, obviously, except for Pickford for any long period of time yeah. and so on in, well, in the defense. You know, I think you both sort of alluded to it in regards to the, the fine balance because. You know, we can sit here and one of the one of the changes that I've seen a lot of people talking about is maybe our left back where you say you take Mikelenko out, who's probably a defensive minded fullback, and you bring Vinagre in, he's, he's very much a wing back. And you think, right, that that sounds plausible and that sounds like a, a decent idea to get more cross into the box for Carver Loon, et cetera, et cetera. But then all of a sudden you're leaving your two centre backs, maybe who have not got a lot of pace, pretty exposed at the weekend against a team like Crystal Palace, who are who are absolutely rapid on the counter attack. So it's sort of it's sort of where do you take the risk and where do you have the, the payoff in in the team, but um, just a, a couple of, of points I wanted to make, lads, before we move on to talk about Crystal Palace and uh, Neil Mope socks. Um, what is it with Everton players and, and getting the wrong socks on? I mean, Adam, you were at Goodison, away, and you think when Jibril Sidibe just had one right one on? And, I, I wasn't, to be fair, I was, I was away for that one. Um, yeah. but what, what's what's going on? <laughs> Frank Lambeau was asked about it afterwards, I saw, and he just sort of went, I've got absolutely no idea. Why did why did we even take any blue socks with us? I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm so confused. Did he bring that. those from home? Like they weren't, yeah. they weren't part <laughs> yes. of any they weren't part of any kit that we were wearing. Like I just don't understand how where he's even found those. Maybe blue just pack socks. some of his uh, old Brighton ones or something. But they that. don't they don't have to. <laughs> the players don't have to pack anything related to what they're wearing for the game. There are people that do that for them. I don't know how he had blue socks. That makes no sense. Uh, I, lo- I, love the blue- I love the blue socks anyway, so I was all for that. <laughs> and um, and the last thing, I mean, you- you've got to give credit to the Newcastle fans for their commitment to this Jordan Pickford dinosaur oh, thing, haven't you? Because um, <laughs> I-, I-, I was working last night and I said Jordan Pickford on Getty Images after the game, and my screen was just filled with tons and tons of grown men 
in inflatable T-Rex costumes, inflatable dinosaurs in the crowd. I mean, come, come on, come on, everyone. It's the come nature on. of that goal, Matt, because I, you know, I mean, obviously they're, they're Newcastle, uh, they are, they have for the last, you know, I don't know, however much time they've been committed to, you know, rampant instability. Uh, and they've also been committed to their bits. And this is one of the bits that is never going to go away. And you know what, if I was one of their fans, I would enjoy this bit too. But I would say the nature of the goal Pickford gave up. And again, I, I feel there's anything he can do about that goal. Well, I, I, I do think that it's sort of like in, uh, well, I'm talking to two NFL fans here. It's sort of like when a, uh, a receiver or a corner uh, jumps uh, just a step too early for a, or, you know, a step too early for a pass or something like that. I felt like if he'd taken one more step and then jumped, he saves that. But the fact that we're like, I'm hesitant to really criticize Pickford too much when in a game where we had no shots on goal. So it, it was still a very well taken goal. I, I just, uh, but it definitely probably fueled the, uh, the, the T-Rex arms bit just a little bit more because uh, of, of the nature of, of how that, that ball went in the net. <laughs> I mean, based on the images from last night, Adam, this is, this is spreading, you know, you have a whole ground. You might have one of those big banners with a dinosaur on next year when we go. I, I, I've got nothing. <laughs> Genuinely, I've, I've got nothing to say. Like, I, I just can't imagine, like, the how much money would one of those costumes cost? Like, it's got to be, it's got to be a decent fee. Upwards of 20 quid, I'd say. Like, that's too much to, in, like, that's too much to invest in a joke. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not investing that much maybe, in a joke to to a professional footballer who's never going to see it. Like, maybe the, the Saudis are throwing them in free with season tickets or something. You know, <laughs> get your Newcastle season tickets. Come with free T Rex costume uh, for you and your family. Um, but yeah, that yeah, not a good night by any means. Um, but we are back at Goodison on Saturday, lads. It, it's Crystal Palace. Um, Adam, can you believe? It's been, you know, what are we on now? Five months since that last Crystal mm. Palace game. And the last time they rocked up, it was uh, it was absolutely wild, wasn't it? I mean, how, how do you think back to that game and that night all, all these months on now? And does does it sort of linger in your mind and when you're watching these performances thinking, never, ever want to go through anything like that ever, ever again? Yeah, yeah. People people <laughs> often, often ask me, like, oh, what was it like working there that, that night? It was awful. It was horrible. It was it was it was genuine genuine hell. Uh, throughout the halftime interval, I was sat there in me, in my seat with my laptop in front of me, like looking around, genuinely looking around the stadium, going, "This might be the last time I see Goodison Park in the Premier League." And I was and I was it was going through my head. I was like, "What do I even? What do I write? If <laughs> if if they lose this game, what what do I do?" Uh, and like I I just never want to experience that again. Obviously, the second half was absolutely sensational like the, the the feelings of euphoria you, you just can't you can't get over that is dimmed a bit when you've still got to work through it and i i was still sat in the stadium about two hours later still trying to wrap my head i still didn't know what to write to be honest you, you just don't know what to write in those sorts of scenarios but yeah the, the, that match still still just lingers on because even even now that I've now that I've left the job, people have gone. Oh, what? So what was your favourite game? Was it that Palace game? No, 
<laughs> not, not in the slightest. Like, uh, I would, I would, I would happily like give him my time again. I would happily take that game off. I, I just don't want to be anywhere near it. But yeah, like it, it was, it was absolutely special, wasn't it? And it, it shows you what the power of supporters can do when you when they rally around the team. And you know, fingers crossed, we see you know some semblance of that on on Saturday as well, because. You know, obviously it's not in the same sort of dire straits, but I do think the players need a little bit of a lift uh, at this point after the three games that they've had. You know, as, as I said before, not exactly demoralising defeats in, in a huge sense, but, you know, three defeats on the spin it's is still three defeats on the spin and they'll be they'll be hurting a little bit. But, you know, I've, I've got no doubt in my mind that Everton fans are going to be right up for this game. You know, Palace are, of, are, are a bit up and down, you know, I think summed up by their game on. Tuesday night, thought they were a bit iffy first half. Looked really good in the second half, to be fair to them. So, you know, it's a, I think it's going to be a tight game. But, you know, fingers crossed the Evertonians can uh, can pull it out the bag again. Yeah, um, I might start stocking up on blue flares now for the end of the season. <laughs> based on the way I've been playing the, the last few weeks. Uh, Rob, what about you, mate? How, how do you reflect on that, that mad night all those months ago? Um, I, I very much recall I was sitting in my living room... Um, and when we went down 2-0, I just remember I, I I may I think I literally did curl up in the field position at one point and just thought, you know, it's 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 really this is really happening. I, you know, it, it was it was um, to Adam's point, like, you know, after the second half, of course, you you, you look back and you think you think about this, the 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 drama. I mean, in some ways, it's what sport is all about. Um, but I think that that's one of those games that for a neutral observer, they would go back, they, they would look at and say, wow, what a, what an entertaining, amazing story, amazing, you know, whatever. But if you were in it, I, I, I would sort of equate it to uh, the Apollo 13 uh, um, pilots, you know, like astronauts. Um, what a story uh, that they survived uh, one of the almost near near biggest calamities in the history of of of, of uh, science or space exploration or whatever, uh, and you celebrate at the end of it. But if you ask those guys who were in it, just like you asked Adam about being there, like uh, did wh- how great was that? They'd be like, "Are you kidding me? That was the worst thing I've ever been. That was the most." Uh, traumatic thing I've ever been through. I'd never want to go through that again, regardless of how others feel about the ending and the story. And, and that's generally how I feel about um, last season. Like on the one hand, it was, uh, it made me feel uh, more connected to Everton than I maybe had in a long time, just because I think brushes with death do that. Um, but I, I also have zero appetite to go through anything like that again. And, and hopefully that's not painting my analysis of Everton this season where I'm already like, I really don't think we're going to be in a relegation fight. I'm sure I said things like that last season. It's just that now that I've been through it, I know what, real relegation fodder looks like and i don't think as as bad as as the attacking was yesterday as bad as you know these last three games have been you know when you given who we've played i'm not totally shocked by a three-game losing streak in this in this instance and i'm i and i'm not really afraid yet uh of that but 
there's there's definitely more time to get afraid, I suppose, Matt. But um, you know, that's that's what I come back and think of last season. It's uh, of that game is that it was spectacular theater that uh, in in the way that you see an incredible war film that you never want to see again. Uh, like I, Saving Private Ryan is a great film that I never need to see again. <laughs> so you know, I feel like that's how I feel about uh, that Palace game. And as as far as this weekend goes, I I look i we're at home um i think that that this if anything calls on on you know for, on the crowd to to certainly step up as they always do they will i think this i think this is also a challenge for the manager when you hit these sorts of skids to be like all right we need to give we probably need to give this this uh, group of supporters uh something different uh in, to get them up for this game and i think that may be some unorthodox changes that you don't see coming i don't think he's going to wildly change the side but i would expect that maybe there's a change in midfield maybe there's uh a reshuffling and attack to a degree um you know i i don't know if you go full-on formation change or anything like that i don't know if you see something wild like neil mope playing on you know kind of a, a hybrid wing you know off the striker position along with calvert lewin and then Gordon in there. I don't know what you do, but but obviously there, there needs to be some kind of response. I, I will be concerned if we don't get I will be concerned if we don't get some kind of result this weekend. And I say that acknowledging that Palace is a very talented side. Ultimately, they're three points ahead of us. They're not worlds away from us. So I'd like to think that at Goodison we're gonna we're gonna get a response for sure. Just a couple of stray memories from that Palace game for me. Uh, the IU tackle. Which he should have been. It was a oh. horrific challenge that he wasn't. You just, knew, you just knew 90 seconds later he was going to score as well. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. On the back of the Brentford game, we, we, we were absolutely diddled by the refs as well. Yeah. Like, remarkable. And that Dali Alley 45 minutes <sighs> just feels yeah. like it. Feels like it yeah. just, just didn't really happen now, doesn't it? When you look back. Was, was the Dali Alley 45 minutes that good or was it? just so good it looked so good because of how bad Andre Gomez was in the first half I want certainly an element to that when he when he left I think someone put like a clip up of like we'll always have this you know like one of these two minute Twitter compilations like we'll always have this second half against Palace and like I watched it and I was like you didn't really do (laughs) do, he doesn't really do much does he Uh, I I think I I I watched the same the same like series of clips I, I, I remember them like absolutely pulling the strings and running the game, but maybe, maybe he just wasn't. It's not exactly Nias against uh, uh, Watford or whatever, <laughs> or anything like, like yeah, what, I, yeah. I what Adam was saying though, about like not being able to, to function in those circumstances. Cause it was like, so frenzied and, and chaotic. It was almost like just someone being able to step outside of that, that match and that atmosphere and just sort of pierce it a little bit by just doing, the simplest things, like no, basic no, no. things of a football. It was like it was like otherworldly because we were. But, but isn't that sort of bad, but, bad atmosphere? But isn't that sort of a? It's almost sort of appropriate for last season because it's it's if you think about it, the reason Everton were in that position last season is because 
it's not because they didn't have enough star players doing great things. It's because they didn't just have enough average six out of tens throughout the season. If they'd had that, they would have just been another boring season that we would have forgotten. But it was, it it was like Deli Ali in that one instance uh, encapsulated. He just came in and was kind of slightly above mediocre and uh, in a position that we, we were just obviously hemorrhaging from and and that was the difference and and you know again I still maintain though that that um lost in all of this is just the fact that um in the mic on the micro level it's not easy to come back from 2-0 and win a game in any circumstance in the Premier League and, or really at any league and so uh th- i still maintain that 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 was that that, that all of that was a weird dream uh that whole, se- that whole season that game everything <laughs> only time everton have done it isn't it in the premier league i think two nil down yeah i and remember everton. remember halftime on twitter guys like all of the stats going around about you know everton never had come back from this and two nil and but you know i I even remember at halftime just thinking well here we you know this is this is really happening i i mean it was as dark as i've ever seen it and yet that that crowd of goodness i mean that was that's the magic like if you're gonna if you're gonna point to anything as as awful as it was for people like adam and you who were there uh to have to kind of live through uh the car crash of it all the fact that you survived it you came out just uh and and you had to kind of will your will that that crowd that night if there was ever evidence of a of, of a crowd willing a team, uh, I mean, not that they haven't had to do that before, but that was the starkest example of it. And so whenever I tell anyone that, that they've got to get to Goodison if they've never been before, I, I think I can point to that game forever and say, you, you just don't understand what it's like until you're there uh, because it really is uh, almost an otherworldly thing. Yeah. I know it was all won by putting a cross onto Dominic Calvert-Lewin's head as well. Novel. <laughs> yes. Novel like, why don't we do There's that? Here's your one? lesson. <laughs> all started by Michael Keane, of course. He's Michael Keane pulling out the yeah. most ridiculous volley I've ever seen. The best goal oh, he's real? ever going to score in his life. Uh, <laughs> when Everton put those training videos up, he's always slotting, isn't he? In that, yeah. he seems to be always banging. He's got, a, he's just got yeah. a dead eye in in that area of the pitch. Play him up front. I'm, tell- I'm <laughs> telling you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Keane's going to have one more moment at Everton that, that you know, I'm telling you, because uh, as I expect, I mean, I fully expect uh, Cody and Tarkovsky to be fit. But, you know, at some point, you'd think there's going to be some, you know, some game, some injury, some something. And, you know, there'll, there'll be a weird, like, random Holgate, Mina or Michael Keane moment that we don't see coming uh, before those guys are all probably gone before next um, season. Well, Derby winner at Anfield. Oh, it's got to be, hasn't it? That's all I Liverpool, hasn't he, for us? Yeah. never know. Prolific against the Reds. But he's probably six-choice centre-back now, which is... A bit mad, yeah. Um, well, yeah, just very very quickly before we finish, I just think it's going to go on Saturday. Adam, um, Goodison behind them, get over the line. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with Robert. I do think there's probably going to be some, some sort of personnel changes rather than actual wider formation changes. I wouldn't really be shocked to see Iwobi maybe pushed out onto the wing uh, just to give us something yeah. a little bit different, get him into a position where he actually will be able to cross the ball to Calvert-Lewin. Maybe that's how you bring James Garner into the midfield and allow 
Onada and Guy a bit a bit more opportunity to roam around the pitch a little bit more. I think Palace are quite strong in their midfield so far this season, so we'll need to combat them in some way. Uh, I, I would probably stick with the same with the same defensive line, although I would maybe be tempted by putting Holgate in at right back just for just to give Coleman a little bit of a rest. I think three three games in a week may, might be a little bit of a step too far for Coleman, especially if he's going to be up against Wilfred Zaha in this mm. match. Maybe maybe we need to combat him in a in a little bit of a different way. But yeah, I do think that it's going to be a good atmosphere. The crowd are going to be right behind them, and as I say, Palace. You know they've looked good in in spells so far this season, but you know they they there there have been spells this season where they haven't been all that either. So hopefully, I just I just want us to take the game to them a little bit, play a little bit more on the on the front foot more than the, we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks, particularly. You know, play like we started the game against Manchester United, really. You know, and just put them on the back foot a little bit, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get a result. You know, I I I'd be I'd be really, really disappointed if we were getting beat by by Palace at home, to be honest. And that's no disrespect to them, but you know, I, d- I do think that we should be pulling the results out of this one. Rob, what about you? Another three-two. <laughs> three-two. That's a lot of shots on goal. You're assuming. <laughs> um, honest, like I can. I mean, this is this is uh, certainly not spectacular, but I, I'm kind of feeling a, a one-all draw. Uh, and you know what? I look. I we need we need we love a win. We need a win. I, but I'm telling you, the the thing that has, if you want to know where some of my confidence in us maybe not being pulled into a real relegation threat this season comes from, it's that already this season we have seen an ability for Everton to rescue draws uh, where in, in where last season they lost. Right. And so a draw is uh, very uninspired, but it uninspiring, but it also is uh, a requisite uh, to a, a season of, of relatively, you know, boring maybe, but stability. And I, I think that um, I think that I can see a draw coming here and it wouldn't be the worst result for me, uh, honestly. Uh, but, you know, I think what Adam said, and I've heard some variation of, of this brought up by uh, Mick Greenall as well. Like, I don't want to see a Wobi put back on the wing on any sort of regular basis, but because of how great he's been in midfield, but sort of like when you have to put him at right back here or there, you have to do this, you know, like I do think it can be a good change up. Uh, I do think that if I, just like I said before, this thing probably needs some sort of, uh, of, of kind of reshuffling or reimagining just to, to get, uh, get it going again. Uh, and so I, I would like to maybe see an opportunity at home to get a little bit more attacking, put a Wobi. I think it's a great idea. Put a Wobi, uh, on the wing. Um, and, and maybe then you, you bring Garner in, um, I don't know. The only thing about putting Holgate out at right back after all this time out is, you know, I don't know what his fitness is going to be like. Uh, and it'd be one thing if we'd won three in a row and then you needed to work Holgate back into the mix when you've lost three in a row. I, I, I don't know. Coleman has tended to play Zaha pretty well over the years uh, on that side. Am I, am I just misremembering yeah. that? I, I feel like he's done. A- he gave a penalty away in that game you came over for. Oh yeah. Well, yes. That, that, that uh, Pickford saved. 
truth. Yes, I, I, you're right. I look. I, I still think that that ultimately Coleman's a gamer at Goodison. You know, he'll be up for it at Goodison. Um, it, look, it, it's not ideal to have Patterson out, but injury is a part of the game, and and uh, I, I, I don't know that I'd, I'd really want to change fundamentally too much of the defense. I think what worries me is that the pace of our defense, the, the relative age of our defense versus their young attacking forwards, it really does it does scare me a little bit. So it's gonna require us to have a strong midfield performance and and really uh we we got to be able to put some pressure on them so that they have to expel some energy defensively but i'm look i think maybe one one would love to maybe scrap out a two one or something but i do expect palace to score Uh, i'd like to say i expect us to score but i'm i'm more hoping that we score than i expect us to score at this point shots will do i'll be small let's start with shots and go from (laughs) <laughs> five shots lads yeah and there'll be uh there'll be progress but yeah we'll see uh will everton have shots at the weekend uh we'll be back uh later on we'll have your instant reaction from the denby castle of course level your build to that game as well on the blue room extra if you'll hear more from us there uh cheers to rob cheers to adam that's been your weekly show up the toppies and we'll speak to you again soon Network.